you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL podcast was just traded by the Saints. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Chris Wessling to my left. Greg Rosenthal to my right. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Yeah, yeah. hump day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that one isn't over with yet? Yeah, That's when you know Dan doesn't have any pre-planned chit-chat for the top of the show. Hump Day is back. I got plenty to chat okay, about. Okay, let's, let's um, hear it. First of all, something I'm very excited about, Win West's Toaster, which we've been uh, you know, teasing and telling you about uh, for a couple of weeks now. A little special treat for the listeners. Uh, and we've never had it as a video segment, but... Uh, you know, we uh, met Greg and myself and Wes, met with TD, and we hammered out a way to do it on video. So Win Wes's Toaster, which will be on the podcast on Thursday, will also have a video component. I'm very excited about that. I'm so excited. I want to hear an awful sound drop. I like that kind of party. Okay, that's good, too, but I want to hear the Win Wes's Toaster sound drop. I mean, you would think they would at least be able to get the entire final word of that. Sound drop in. We might have to re-record that, but that's neither here nor there. So look out for that. Um, of course, our, our colleagues Mark Sessler, Quiet Storm, and Space Ghost Connor Orr are flying back from Arizona after attending the an- NFL annual meetings. We'll get to some of the stuff that happened uh, there in the news. Uh, Greg, any comments about Connor and Mark and the work they did? I think they did an outstanding job okay. down there. Great. Don't you? I mean, you guys should check it out if you're listening to this podcast. What you need to know from the owners' meetings. Mark and Connor worked on that. I mean, a lot of work. Another Getting op- up early. Also another opportunity for you because Mark won't be listening. Say a true thought you have about Mark that you would not share to his face. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You you do that. It seems like if you separate Mark. <laughs> it seems like a losing game. If you separate Mark and me, we are both more productive. 
Yeah. <laughs> Something to note. Don't think it's a mistake that you haven't gotten. You're going to the draft. He's not. You know, it's a bunch of. Don't think that there's not some strategy here. When there's an oral history of uh, the around the NFL I written one day, there will be an entire chapter about the 2014 uh, NFL Combine. Yeah, I, I kept. Yeah, exactly. I kept West next to me in L.A. for the Combine this year. That wasn't by mistake. It's a veteran move. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, yes, we got a big show today. We're bringing our friend, uh, back by popular demand, Bucky Brooks, uh, back on the show, uh, our draft analyst and really, you know, one of the top scout men in our building. Uh, so we'd like to have him in here. You know, of course, he's been doing some Damashek uh, shows, which mm. I'm not thrilled about. So maybe we'll touch on that a little. Scout man. Yeah, we're going to talk to the scout man about the Damashek thing. Cause Seems the... like it has potential to be one of TD's favorite movies someday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we will get Bucky on here. We'll uh, also go, as promised, we're going to get into our divisional power rankings, and we're going to tell you where we come down on the divisions uh, uh, as a group. We did a voting process, and I'm sure all the divisions throughout the NFL are waiting uh, eagerly to find yeah. out where they fall. Uh, in the group, I can't. I can't imagine they wouldn't well, be. That NFC way. East was pissed at us for two years. Yeah. about the 2013. No, rankings. no Christmas cards from the NFC East. And uh, but before we get to any of that, we got to check in with the great Gold Standard. It's Gold Standard Wednesday. Uh, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you, Dan? Oh man, I'm great. I'm, Good. I'm really excited to be here. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we do some news? Let's do it. I like Dan when you said you were really excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Did that not play? <laughs> Did that not play? No, it was great. Okay, because I'm excited to be here. I like I like working here. It's fun. Um, all right, let's get into the news. And yes, uh, the NFL annual meeting uh, is just wrapping up, and there's a ton of uh, ton of news coming out of that event. And I would think, uh, Greg, this could be. Things could slow to a trickle from what's coming out of the team for a while now. But for now, we got a lot of info, and we'll start with <clears throat> Mike Zimmer, the Minnesota Vikings coach, who, while sitting at his little uh, cute little breakfast table eating his eggs and drinking his coffee and orange juice, uh, said there were two players that the team has no plans to trade. One is Adrian Peterson, who, as we know, is sending um, basically you know those things where they, they write in the sky the plane that has the cloud. He's basically now hiring people to fly over the Vikings compound, say, trade me. Uh, that's where we're at with that. But the, I guess the Vikings are not interested uh, in trading him right now, so that could get ugly. And, of course, Cordell Patterson, who a year ago topped our making the leap list. We thought he was the next big-time breakout uh, Percy Harvin-like wide receiver. That didn't happen, but according to Mike Zimmer, Greg, they're not ready to give up on him either. Well, it's interesting. He was more definitive about quarter, not trading Corderell Patterson than he was about Adrian Much Peterson. He said, we have no plans to trade Adrian Peterson. And if you read between the lines of what he said all day, this is what I took, the translation. I love Adrian Peterson. I always loved Adrian Peterson. The NFL did us wrong. Some people in my organization maybe kind of did us wrong. If you're really reading between the lines, Adrian Peterson wants to play for me. I hope that happens. I don't know if it's going to happen for sure because of everything else that's going on. That, to me, was what Zimmer was saying. I think that's a very accurate translation by the boss there. and The boss. It's uh, a Wes gunning for that uh, pay raise around uh, <laughs> year-end review season. I'm trying to get back uh, to where Mark and I can get in cahoots again. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's stark, stark comparison to Cordero Patterson where he just you know, said, no, no chance we trade him. So right. I think that, I mean, that's – 
pretty black and white. I guess they're they're willing to write off last season for Patterson as a mulligan where nothing really clicked, and he was repeatedly um, criticized by his own coaches for an inability to run routes and wasn't a complete receiver. They must still think they can fix him, mm-hmm. and they don't want to trade him for 50 cents on the dollar when they think he could still be a star. Yeah, I thought about putting Corderell Patterson in our trades we'd love to see before the draft. That's up on, on NFL.com slash news. Uh, a lot of fun ones there. But, yeah, it didn't seem realistic anymore. Adrian Peterson, on the other hand, is on that list. You had him go into the Cardinals. I think we would all like to see that. I still don't expect it to happen. Ian Rapport reported uh, Monday night how uh, they're kind of changing their strategy, it sounds like, to really pushing for more money. So even though they do want to trade, they've made it clear they want to trade, I think they understand they might not get one. All right, moving on. Elsewhere in the mess hall, uh, Bill Belichick was sitting in a really nice polo shirt. It was white with stripes, and he was looking really sharp, I thought. Greg's, Greg's heart was fluttering. Uh, and as you can imagine, not Bill only says what Bill wants to say, and he's not going to give reporters uh, you know, extra meat to chew on just because they flew all the way out to Arizona. He, this was some fun stuff. I had, uh, had our team cut this because we had to uh, touch on what Bill Belichick said when asked about losing – Darrell Rivas. It's NFL free agency. <laughs> All right, I made sure to have the phlegm move cut too because that was directly a shot at, I don't know, the Jets or and we'll get to that, well, that's, the Jets-Patriots relationship. To quote Wes, that's Belichick's move. He's going to use it. The phlegm move? I mean, that snort's been – any huge <laughs> Patriots fan – really considers that snort one of their family members over the last decade. <laughs> Can I hear it again? He breaks that out 15 <laughs> times. That's all free agency. <laughs> so if that's your family member, it's like a perverted uncle. I'm just saying, I've heard that thing 5,000 times. That's kind of what he what he does. He was angry at the le- at someone. He always shows up late to this breakfast, which is funny. He used to yeah. skip it, you remember, entirely. Uh, then he, he shows up late. He skips the photo. I don't think he's happy with the league for a variety of reasons, including – uh, the whole cameras on the sideline. Right, he's which really they tabled upset. that. He's really upset that they won't do that because of the money uh, when the NFL has a lot of money. So, but, so anyway, then the reporter's like, yeah, obviously if you're a reporter worth uh, worth your what? Give me something else. Worth your weight. In, worth your salt. Worth your salt. I like that. Worth your weight in gold? Yeah, yeah sure. Why not? He, he doubled down. He said, you know, give me a real answer, Bill. It's like that in the NFL. Team, players leave teams and go to teams in, a, in free agency every year. Like, that's not a big story. Oh, it's not a big story. Darrell Rivas, uh, one of the great cornerbacks ever, leaving uh, to another team in the division. Uh, and then a, a follow-up question. Then the, well, what about the idea of the option? You had a chance to keep him in the building, keep him off the open market, Bill. Uh, anything about that? It's NFL free agency. We do what we think is best for our football team. <laughs> That was, there was a five-second pause before that answer, by the way. I think you nailed it. He doesn't say anything he doesn't want to say, and he had a message to tell his fans about NFL free agency, and it came hours after the compensatory picks were released and revealed that still the best teams in the NFL wait for other teams to to overpay their cast-offs mm. and then reel in these comp- compensatory t- picks and are good every year. You'll see the Ravens, the Packers, Patriots, the Steelers are always the top to contend. Jets, the Jets last year had the most. That didn't quite work out. We had like 14 yeah, picks. I'll take Revis over the third-round compensatory pick that they may or may not get next No, week. I think his point was free agency builds – look at all the teams spending money. Yeah. They're losing teams. 
All right. So then in the other other news involving the Jets and Patriots, and this went down uh, late Tuesday night, we learned that the Jets have now, uh, after the Patriots filed a tampering charge against the Jets um, because of Woody Johnson's uh, loose-lipped comments uh, about wanting Darrell back. This is weeks before free agency. Now the Jets have come back and filed a tampering charge against the Patriots. <laughs> and and why? Because Ro- what Robert Kraft said Monday in Arizona when he referenced uh, Revis when he was asked about him, uh, to me it seemed like a, a different situation. To everyone it seems like it was a different context, but it was it's a little tit-for-tat game where the Jets clearly weren't happy that the Patriots targeted them for tampering, so now they're going back at the Patriots and trying to turn it into a big old farce. Wes, your thoughts? And we might have to pull back the curtain on this. I, uh, I heard Greg was going to unload on me on this segment. What are you talking about? No, I was kidding. Well, to pull back the curtain, yes. Wes is not the <laughs> – let's just say as a, as a boss, as an editor here at – the NFL Media News Group. West may have not been the right choice to write the uh, tampering article initially. <laughs> when I saw the rough draft of it, thankfully it had not been up on the site yet. Um, you know, with some editing had to be done. We decided to just take Wes's old byline off. Yeah, you know, had it a little safer. But let's say you weren't you weren't too happy with the Jets, and I understand why. It is the whole thing was it's silly, and we can call it silly on this podcast. That's for yeah, sure. Jets are acting like a spoiled toddler. Oh, come on. I mean, what the Patriots did was really no here, better. It was silly on both ends. Maybe I, sillier by the Jets, but... I agree. See, that that's... I agree with that. It, as The whole thing is stupid, but the Patriots tampering charge, to me, was over the top. It wasn't necessary. This, the spirit of what the tampering rule is supposed to be, I don't think what Woody Johnson did was intentionally tampering with Darrell Reeves. So the whole thing was stupid. I agree. And it's, it all goes back... This is all on Eric Mangini's shoulders for starting Spygate. <laughs> so that's what's kicked yeah. off this Wiley Coyote Roadrunner thing where the Jets are always Wiley Coyote. Well, I, you know what? I, you, I think it goes back even further than that. It goes back to Bill Belichick writing on the piece of paper, I resign as the okay, head coach. Okay, that's, that's fair. I'll take, I'll take even a little further back, the poison pill that stole Curtis Martin away from the Patriots yep. and to the Jets. That, that, all right, that, these are all, those are all fair points. But the, the difference with the Woody and the Belichick thing is those two principles are still there, and... I think that was a big reason, and I know it's been reported, that was why Belichick wanted to leave the Jets was the change in ownership to Woody John. So the whole thing, it's like, I, I love it, though, a little ride. Ah, it's fun. And I, I think, my, if I had to guess, I think Woody probably was not happy that after he basically issued a retraction of what he said and then personally called uh, Kraft and still ended up getting the charge levied against him, I'm sure that didn't sit well in Florin Park. But uh, I don't imagine either team is going to come away with any picks off this. But the, we'll the tampering charges that the Patriots initially filed are pending. This is all a report, by the way. The NFL uh, refused to c- comment. You know, NFL media insider Ian Rapport first reported this story, and I am sure this is one of those stories the NFL would love to just settle between these two teams and make go away. Because at some level, it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the Denver Broncos, are, of course, moving forward with Peyton Manning and Gary Kubiak, a new offensive brain trust in Denver. Uh, there has been a lot of talk about how, you know, how will Peyton Manning uh, operate in an offense, a bootleg-heavy offense that, that Kubiak runs. Is he not the right fit for this? Kubiak came out this week and uh, kind of – 
threw some cold water on that. I'd pick Peyton Manning for any offense. I mean, we're going to do what he does best. We're not going to go roll out if that's not something that's a strength of our team. We're going to do what he does best. I'd pick him any day of the week. Wes, this makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the uh, overarching issue here all along has been nobody is sure how much of it is going to be Kubiak's offense and how much is going to be what Peyton Manning has run for 17 years. And Kubiak finally came out and said, look, I'm the one who's going to have to bend my offense to fit Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's been doing this at the top at the top level of the NFL for for almost two decades now. So we're gonna we're gonna play to Peyton Manning's strength. So it seems like less of a concern than there was a month ago. Well, this is called the good problem. You know, yeah, you have to meld it. It's gonna be hard for them. Like Peyton Manning may not be comfortable, but you're working with a guy who had a really good season in Peyton Manning overall, and you're working with one of the best offensive minds in the league. So you know, if that's the problem, it's like it's not like Manning's with some bum. And then Kubiak also said Tuesday in Arizona that he has had preliminary talks with Manning about decreasing his reps and meetings, practices, and training camp. Uh, this, this means more of a role for Brock Osweiler, at least in uh, non-game situations. And this is all done coming off a season where uh, Peyton Manning was the best quarterback in football for eight weeks. And then he kind of came back down to earth and wasn't the same guy. So this makes sense as well. I think it's an acknowledgement that father time takes an effect and that mm. Kubiak was John Elway's offensive coordinator for those two Super Bowls and said he had to do the same thing with Elway, convince him to take fewer reps, put less stress on your body. And, you know, Peyton Manning, one of the big knocks on him, he has a lot of critics, is that he crumbles in December and January because his, body, his body's not there. I mean, Kubiak, he doesn't really get enough credit for everything he's done in the league. I was looking this up. I couldn't have done it off the top of my head while we were talking. In in 2000, they had the number two offense scoring and yardage in the league. The quarterbacks that year for the Broncos were Brian Greasy and Gus Farratt. And Mike Anderson's the running back. So if Gary Kubiak can make the system work with those guys, he can make Let it. Let me ask you Peyton this. Manning. Follow-up question. Has Mike Shanahan always gotten too much credit and Gary Kubiak not enough? Yeah. I think when, you look, when you look at their careers, that you should give Kubiak a little more. All right, some other news out of the annual meeting. It looks like finally there might be a tangible change to the extra point system. Uh, this is something that's not official because uh, there was no vote, but there has been a, quote, lively discussion about potential changes. According, I'm sure they were super lively. There was dancing in the, in the conference room. Uh, this according to Rich McKay, the NFL Competition Committee co-chairman. Uh, some things that were discussed – and you can imagine one of these are going to go through. A team could go for two points from the yard and a half, uh, one and a half yard line, or kick an extra point from the fifteen. The, where's the extra point right now being kicked from? The two. Two. Uh, eliminate the extra point altogether and just place the ball at the two yard line, making it a two point play. Another option: narrowing the goal po- goalposts. I don't like that one. And then finally, a college-type rule in which a defense could score a touchdown on a block kick or interception or fumble return on the two-point conversion. If I had to guess, I think they're going to combine. I think that college part of the rule is going to happen no matter what they do. And that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Cause the, make the, it a live play. Yeah, make it a live play. The coaches want it to be more like a football a play. And it's only going to that's only going to affect things every once in a while, but it does make it more exciting. I think it will be that first proposal where you can go for two from the one and a half or, or kick the extra point from the 15, which would be what, about a 32-yard extra point, which is still pretty easy. 
I think in the post-production, we should have Gold Standard play Lively Up Yourself by Bob Marley in the background during this whole segment. <laughs> you heard him, Gold Standard. You got it, Wes. All right. <laughs> by the way, the only thing I'm against is making the extra point harder because I don't want to put more of the football game in the hands of the kickers. To me, it's just it's too much. It's not, it's not as fun. Uh, maybe you want to do that. Maybe that's the way to go. But I just... You know, make it, I just don't. I don't like the idea of losing a game because your kicker's missing extra points. It's Do just, you like you know. the idea of changing the name of the game because there's no more foot involved in ball? Mm. I dick. mean, Super Bowls are decided on kicks, so I don't really see why extra points can't be. You know, I don't know. I don't get that one. Make kicks are part of the 98 game. 98-yard drive in dramatic fashion to tie the game, and then the guy clanks the 32-yarder off the upright. That's fun. But you're saying you don't want it to come down to a. Kicks, but no, enough's seasons coming. come too down much. to kicks all the time. Too much is on kickers is what I'm saying. The Vikings could have won Make a Super Bowl. Make it more about the real players. For, the Falcons could have won a Super Bowl if not for their kick. The Patriots wouldn't have won their first one. You know, Seahawks so. season came down to Ricardo Laquette. Hank Basket. I mean, who <laughs> knows who's going to change the Super Bowl. I like those guys better. I like those guys better <laughs> is what I'm saying. You got the kickers. Lock it and basket. Lock it down. That would, that would be a cool series on Bravo or something. Just <laughs> lock it and basket. All right, bravo to you, Greg. Great idea. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> could I, right. I could already sense Dan's letter grade at the end of this podcast. C minus. Your I have it, taken your, your locket and basket <laughs> joke. Knocked it down five points. I have taken to grading each podcast uh, after the fact, and uh, Greg has been surprised that I'm not uh, giving us A pluses after every show. I have. A, That's I think good. you are a fair grader. Yeah, I've agreed in general with that. Tough but fair. Tough. We had a. I'll, I'll even run it back. I think we had a, an 85 uh, last show, an 86 the one before, a 91 before that. Oh, that's, that's pretty. An a-. Those are pretty good grades. Yeah. So there was know. a there was a B minus a few weeks ago. Nah, we had an 81. There was a, actually a C, but we won't even get into that. <laughs> I don't like to talk about the C's that much. All right, that's what's happening in the news. Let's uh, let's talk about a little uh, divisional power rankings. Let's do that. That's something that. It's fun. It's stupid, but it's fun. Uh, it really, there's nothing to it. To the point that we, you know, we put this up on the site, and a lot of people are interactive with it in the comment section, and you know, it's a buzzy thing. But what does it all mean? I don't know. Greg, what does it mean? It's just fun. Something yeah, it's fun. fun. To talk What's about? wrong with having fun? People, you know, it's first of all, we're hitting the off season. We're out of free agency news. People do take a pride in their division. I don't, I don't know what that is because I I've done it too. There's something about you want your division, like when they're in the playoffs, you, you just want your, hey, we come from a tough division. That's a good division. People are into that. I'm in, I've been into we it. We represent the North. That type of stuff. <laughs> Better than the lollipop It's kind of like the, with yeah. the NCAA tournament. I always was like, oh, man, the Big East really struggled this year. It's like, oh, my friends of that don't like the Big East will make fun of that. I don't know why, why okay. do people care about the conferences. That's a good question. I do, though. I so this is how we did it. We've done this a few years now. Because time is just marching on and, you know, time is moving. So we've done this three <laughs> years. And uh, the way we do it is we each – there's been four, – four of us did it. We have our two Arizona um, field journalists, Connor and Mark. They were out of the picture. So Journos. it was journos, high-level, high-octane high octane journos. Wes, myself, Greg, and then Kevin Patrick coming at you. All submitted our top eight in order starting from the most – the most powerful, greatest division to the worst, stinkiest division. And then we put a point value to it. So if, uh, let's say, just for the sake of uh, argument or fun, NFC West gets uh, they're the best division, so one point, and the AFC South is the worst division, eight points. And then you add it all up and you figure it out definitively. Oh, my God, definitively you know which divisions are the best. So let's do it. Let's go through it. So we'll go in uh, descending order if we start at eight. Why not? 
or is it ascending? It would be ascending, Otter. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and T and uh, Gold Standard behind the glass. And sorry for calling you TD so much. You guys look similar, so sometimes I get. <laughs> it's totally understandable. It's fine. I get you. Not a bad thing. Do I, you and TD like hang out after work and go over your favorite parts of the sh- of the podcast? <laughs> or? Yeah, we usually. Yeah, definitely in person most of the time. Sometimes over just Skype. like meet up for beers. Be like, oh, remember that joke Wes made? It's awesome. Does TD ever get really drunk and start talking about potentially killing us? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with the eighth and final uh, division. They, they're bringing up the rear, and it's it's depressing. It's a total of 31 points, uh, which is easily ahead of anyone else. Not good. Drum roll, please. It's a super long drum roll. The AFC South. <laughs> the AFC South. I wasn't going to let you win that one. Yeah, just start drum, started a little earlier the for the subsequent. Drum roll always wins. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do they call it again? Tap it to... Tapani? Tim- Timpani. Timpani. I like that. <laughs> All right, here we go. Timpani, the AFC South is the worst division. Uh, I'm looking at <laughs> our ballots. I had that, had them seventh, and then the rest of you guys had them eighth. So I guess since I'm the only one that didn't have them last, I'll just say the only reason I don't have them last is Andrew Luck, and I think the Colts are the best out of those eight teams in those two South divisions. So to me, it just nudged them up a little bit. Again, this is all arbitra- arbitrary, but I, I, that's what get, got them seventh place. But, Wes, you tell me why the NFC South is worse than every other division in football. Well, I think all of us had a big gap between the six divisions up top and then the two South, oh, yeah. the two south divisions. I would disagree me, with that. I think the NFC South is right with you know the divisions above it. But carry on. So the reason why I rank the AFC below the NFC is the NFC has franchise quarterbacks. For the most part, three of the four teams in the AFC has one franchise quarterback, Andrew Luck, and the AFC South has the Titans. Well, the, and they have the Jaguars and the Titans in the same division. Those were two of the three worst teams in the NFL last year. I mean, you could throw the Bucks in there, I guess. But if you look at point differential, those are two of the three worst. And I don't think Houston is a true 9-7 and seven team. I think they could fall back to the pack. They so have one of the easiest schedules. It wouldn't surprise me at all if – None of these teams win more than six or seven games other than the Colts. You're not buying in on a Jacksonville nah. march medi- towards mediocrity, are yeah, you? Yeah, they could double their wins to six. People were even more excited about them last year, and they were terrible. Maybe they'll get the the year-after effect. But the Colts are it, – it's amazing if you look at the Colts' record under Pagano against the rest of the division. Basically, they keep winning the division – just because, I mean, they keep having these good records because they're in the AFC South, but they have been very average against everyone else. Uh, and if you look at the NFC South, who's our seventh place team, uh, 25 points, everyone else had them uh, seventh, and I, or seventh and I had them eighth. Uh, you know, the Panthers, you know, they're the Panthers middling team. Did win a playoff game. Uh, the Saints are a hard team to figure out. Usually, they would have been this division would be higher if the Saints who are, are who they were. But we don't know what to make of them. The Bucks are a team to me to watch out for. They're not probably not going to be as bad next year, especially if they hit on Winston. And a lot of people seem to think Winston's a player. Uh, watch but, out, like watch out, like you don't want to watch their. I don't know, like yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> not gonna be watching, I'm not going to be watching. I'm not going to be watching. I don't know. <laughs> Well, like Wes said, the difference between one and six and seven and eight, not yeah. good. So let's just move to six. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are excited. Everyone's like, oh, what's in the top six? And I'll tell you, the AFC West, number six, uh, with 23 points. Actually, not too far behind 
We didn't even so, get to the end of the I don't know what roll. happened there. It's a, I, it's it, a timing thing. I'm really bad at the timpani. <laughs> it's, it's not a strength what, of mine. you got to give it like three or four seconds. This is it's, the world's longest timpani drum roll. <laughs> it's like 20 seconds. No one needs that suspense. Is there, okay. Well, we're going to work on this uh, yeah. for future shows, but just do the best you can. You're okay. doing your best. Thanks. Guys. The AFC West. And uh, if you look at the AFC West, Greg Rosenthal, uh, the Broncos are have been perpetually great with Peyton Manning in the regular season, and then uh, you have some middling teams, and and then you have the Raiders, of course. I see the, the Raiders, of course, as one of the worst few teams in the league, and you have the Broncos, who I think are st- taking a step back. And I just see the Chargers and the Chiefs as middling teams. The Chiefs seem like that team that if they play perfect, they're going to win nine games. So not a lot of upside, not a lot of big time talent. That, that surprised me. You have the NFC East higher than the AFC West, and basically the NFC East is filled with four Chiefs. Mm. You called the Chiefs a house of cards in the newsroom we were talking about this. The NFC East, the hot, entire division is a house of cards. The Eagles, who knows if they if they have a quarterback or not. Yeah. The Cowboys just lost their identity with without DeMarco Murray. The Giants needed Odell Beckham to save all of their jobs. Ty goes to the division with the Raiders going in the basement. All right, you've just hit me in my soft spot there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else to say about the AFC West? I mean, the Chargers, uh, they were. I feel you know, like they're going to be better. This yeah, year. this isn't a bad division. Not it, terrible. I mean, they, I, they m- can win 10 games. That wouldn't be stunning. Honestly, Wes has convinced me that I should have gone a- NFC East ahead of it. I, I think that could have. That was probably was the right move. Yeah, I would think so. And uh, now I'm just killing time because I know this is such a ro- long drum roll. It's really nice. The we- Oh. The NFC East is number five. I keep waiting for a symbol. Or I don't know. There's something into. missing it's over there. It's pure timpani. <laughs> I wouldn't dream of, of mixing it with anything else. Timpani madness. The NFC East, uh, this to me is a compelling division. I love Greg, you know I love the NFC East. I love any of the East teams. I think of my, my grandfather sitting on his brown couch drinking root beer watching the Giants and Cowboys. That's what I think about the NFC East. And, you know, the Cowboys are 12-4, and four, and I don't imagine they're going to win 12 games again. Uh, Chip Kelly, I, you know, he's a genius. So you you would think they'll be a competitive team at the very least. I think the Giants could be better next year, and the Redskins, I think, will still be bad. So I see this three teams in the 9-11 to 11 win range potentially, and to me that's a pretty good division. And the Redskins might not be that bad. Ah, the Redskins will be bad. This is in 1989. The NFC East is living on old, whatever they accomplished three decades ago. They were They were a solid division last year. Dallas was a legit top five NFL team. Philly was a 10-win team. The Giants were probably the best six-win team in the league, which that's you know Ooh, not too exciting. Better in the captain. I'm just saying they were they could have been an eight-win team. They weren't really. I don't look at them and think they're a six-win type of team. So it's it's a division where at least the lows aren't as bad as these other divisions we talked about. I agree, and it's exciting. Number four, moving up the chart. The AFC East is the number four team. Uh, this is the, obviously the division that's really probably been in the headlines more than any division because of all the moves. The Patriots, of course, are the defending Super Bowl champions, win 12 games every year, so you know they're going to be good. Uh, the Jets stole Revis from the uh, from the Pats and got Brandon Marshall and Antonio Cromartie made some moves. They're going to be better. Uh, the Dolphins, of course, uh, got Sue. Uh, they got Kenny Stills. They got Jordan Cameron. They should be better. And the Bills, we talked about – We've talked about the Bills uh, for a couple of weeks, about all the moves they're making and how exciting they have the p- potential to be if uh, they get some decent quarterback play. It's a pretty good division, potentially. This is the highest 
the AFC East has ever been on mm-hmm. our all-important division <laughs> power rankings. Big honor for, for them. Three <laughs> years? Three, four years? I think we might have missed last year. I don't know. I you know maybe. But, yeah, this is a good division. It it's gonna be competitive. F- no, it's gonna be fun. I mean, the the rivalries, the stories. If you're into narratives like our friend uh, Dave Damashek, this is the division for you. I mean, Jets, Bills, Jets, Patriots, Patriots, but like no matter how you mix it up, Mike Tannenbaum in Miami adds another level. I mean, just it's like the most incestuous division. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> Why is that? Just play the game. I don't care about the. Wes is There's, very anti. The teams are interesting though. The teams are interesting. Oh, they now. bore the heck out of me. What? Wait, let's slow down here, Wes. You, you love the Patriots. You like the Pats. The Bills, there's a lot of uh, there's a chance for them being an exciting team. A lot of You like everybody players. hanging on Rex Ryan's every word you and like they don't Rex have a quarterback. Ryan. I do like Rex Ryan, but I don't like that every press conference results in like pressure to do 12 posts for AT NFL because <laughs> well, the rest You shouldn't of the country, let that shade this discussion. Because the rest of the country thinks I don't know. The media thinks Rex Ryan's more interesting than fans do. What about their roster, though? This is a much better roster. Again, they don't have a quarterback. Jets are interesting. Jets don't have a quarterback. Dolphins? I don't. This is the way I analyze football. If I want to watch your team, they're interesting to me. I don't want to watch teams without quarterbacks. I never really took you for a guy that doesn't care about defense. Yeah, it's a a bit of a simplistic football view for a deeply nuanced football (laughs) man. You just want like, hey, I want some quarterbacks to throw the football far. (laughs) What's a a team that's been really fun to watch without a good quarterback? I thought the Bills last year were fun. I liked watching the Bills. Hmm. I like that defense. I don't know. You can. There's some defense. I banged my head against my computer like four times watching Kyle Orton in December. See, I I enjoy. I you know, I'd have a not so secret love affair with Orton. I mean, it's just. Is fun. it more likely that the Bills win ten games or five games? Ten. Ten. I think that's pretty easy. What about the Dolphins? I think they're all more likely to win ten than five, including the Jets. You know, if yeah. if the Pats come down a little bit, just a little bit, we might actually have a division race. See, I see all three of these teams as eight and eight or nine and seven. Yeah, there should be a race. All right. Well, now we move into the uh, top three. Here's the race. This is where it really gets real. Number three, the NFC North, which just barely missed out on the silver medal. We we got it down, by the way. Now. It's great. Center. It's all it's all down to you. That's great. Everything's timing, clicking. Appreciate it. Everything's <laughs> clicking. The NFC North with nine points, nine total points, just behind the second place team. Uh, this is a division, of course, uh, that has the Green Bay Packers in it, who still, to me, were the best team in the NFL last year uh, before Aaron Rodgers got hurt. You had the Lions that went eleven and five, got back to the playoffs, but of course, no longer Dominican Sue. The Vikings, who have a very promising uh, young quarterback, so who knows what's going on with them. And then the Bears, who are you know probably the worst team in the division. But even the Bears, you, know, you can talk yourselves into the Bears having a competitive season, right, Wes? I tried to because I like the Bears as a franchise. I've always liked them. Midwest team, they hit you. I mean, what's what's not to like about that? Yeah, let's play talk about on, living in the past. They Come play on. on grass, not in the dome, you know? Yeah. That's what I think of with the Bears, but you know you got to punish them for Jay Cutler. <laughs> no, it's a good. The Vikings are a frisky, fun third place type of team. You got Rodgers as your anchor. The Lions are the one team that's a little worrisome, and that's why I didn't put them as I the felt so number much two better. division. I felt so much better about the Lions going into last season. I I can't get excited about them without Sue, even though not as good. I think Sue mm. is. I think Sue's great. This division number three this year for us could take a big tumble 
next year if a couple things fall apart. The Lions have one of their crash-to-earth seasons, which seems to happen every other year. If maybe Teddy Bridgewater doesn't develop the way we think he will, and if the Bears are Bearsy with Jay Cutler, yeah, the Packers could walk away with this division by Thanksgiving. But, I think the uh, recipe is the Bears can sink lower. Which they then then they're suddenly among the worst teams in the NFL. That wouldn't totally shock me. I think they'll be better. Oh my God! Number Here two. Here comes. Oh my God! I wish people could see me conducting this. <laughs> it's like whiplash. Our number two team, the AFC North. Ah! All right. So the Steelers, of course, the defending champion, the Bengals. Uh, Wes's former paramour, uh, <laughs> ten and ten five and one last year. Another playoff birth and then the Ravens who also made the playoffs so you had three playoff teams last year even the Brownies are at one point seven and four they finished seven and nine uh of course and are having an offseason that probably doesn't get anybody including Mark Sessler excited uh however there's a lot of talent in this division you expect at least three of these teams to be once again flirting with 10 wins at least great division yeah I picked it second because I like I enjoy watching this when they play each other in this division. And I just like that there's really no weak sisters. I don't think the Browns are that bad of a team. And, and the Is it Beg- weak sisters? I don't know. Is that a that's phrase? A, yeah, that's a phrase. I a think phrase. it's sexist. That's a phrase. It's just a fun division to watch. The I can't, Ra- they can't be weak brothers. The that's Ravens the and the, the Steelers have kind of okay. transitioned into these pass-first gun-it teams, and that's actually more fun. I've got nothing fresh to add. Greg said it all. <laughs> well, there you go. Finally. I mean, if you process of elimination tells you who it is, but maybe you weren't paying attention, which I can totally understand. The number one team, the NFC West, or division, the NFC West. Woo! Wow, this is huge. Uh, Rams. Wait, give us a celebration song. I mean, you're the best division in the damn world. (laughs) Of all the celebration songs. (laughs) This was not a no-brainer pick for me at all. I had I actually ranked all 32 teams. The Seahawks were first, and the Cardinals were in the top seven too. Oh, Wes did more work on this than I. But did. the Rams and 49ers <laughs> were both 25 or below for me. What? Whoa! Yeah. Really? Yeah. You think the 49ers are now a bottom seven team? Well, in the NFL. Rams go seven and nine every year, and I think the 49ers have a worse roster than the Rams. Okay, but let's let's look at the Rams though. I mean, they they're I know we say this every year, but with a b- better quarterback there, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not falling for the banana and, banana and the tailpipe, Dan. All right. Nick Foles is that banana? The, the Rams are that banana. That mausoleum they play in is that banana. And mm. that offense that never does anything is y- that banana. It, we we got to get closer to the season see how it plays out. But there is the L.A. factor in terms of how is it going to start affecting some of these teams? Because remember Bill Belichick, I mean, in that Cleveland 95 special or whatever he's talking about, I mean, he said that's the hardest thing he's ever had to go through. Once he knew that the Browns were moving, that was basically that team was done. What if the Rams have a feeling like they're moving? I know I'm getting ahead so of So the, the Rams players all found out they had to move from St. Louis to beautiful Los Angeles. I think they'd be <laughs> celebrating in the locker room of that mausoleum at the Edward James almost all right. All right, that's fair. I don't know, St. Louis, I've been to St. Louis, very nice city, but there was a whole other a whole other element to the whole Cleveland 95 thing about, you know, what yeah. that team meant to the community and, you know, that was a very ugly ugly moment for the NFL and for the Browns in Cleveland. Yeah, this is the top division, but it is on a downswing. I put yep. it number 1 because I I disagree with Wes. I think all of these teams are about average or better. I think the bottom of those teams are more right in the middle, 
middle of the pack for the NFL, and, and the cards could be pretty interesting. I think I think I I don't think I would put the Niners in a bottom seven level of a team at this point, but I think a seven and nine season I could see. Uh, You'd be surprised them. once you start writing out the teams. You're going to have your bottom four or five who are pretty easy, but yeah. the 25 to 26 range you could stick. But any, Seattle's number one. To me. Seattle's going to be number one each off season, I guess, until for a while. I don't and who know. knows if Adrian Peterson ends up landing in Arizona? That's a big time one-two punch at the top of that division. And I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm really. I'm gonna fall for the trick, Wes. I, I'm totally in agreement with what you're saying. Uh, I probably am going to end up putting the Rams in the playoffs when we make our predictions later what? this summer. I, With I, Nick Foles? I got a bit of a Sessler. That's all, that they're going to actually finally get over the hump and be a playoff team. But, you know, I've been wrong before, as we all. All right, it's time to welcome back into the Around the NFL studio here the great man, the great one. He is a um, draft expert. He knows his stuff in the NFL because he used to play in the NFL. And now he's a media analyst with us. He is the great Bucky Brooks. <laughs> it's your boy. I like <laughs> that. I like, I like that. The, I like the surround sound. Bucky <laughs> and Jay-Z doing it together. Uh, Whose who's laugh was that just now? I don't know. Jay-Z's or Bucky's? I don't know. It's all, it's all the same, I guess, right? So here we are, Bucky. We're getting close. We're starting to now. We're out of the combine. It's in deep in the rearview mirror. The annual meetings yeah. are wrapped up now, and uh, we have the draft up next on the calendar. But as we know right now, Bucky Burks, we're going to get into uh, your draft do-over, which a lot of buzz over in around <laughs> the NFL. <laughs> Greg has got some things to share. He's all pumped up about it. So we want to uh, talk about your draft do-over of last year's draft. But first, we want to check in with you about what you're hearing right now. You, you were actually on the phone right before you came in the studio. You've been Ooh. talking with people. Yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been on the road. Obviously, I was, I was doing the pro day circuit. So, like, that is a great opportunity for me to get around guys and kind of see um, not only what they think about the prospects that we're watching, but just hear conversations. And uh, I was at Michigan State, Trey Waynes, his workout, had a chance to um, hang around some of the staff from the Pittsburgh Steelers, some of the guys from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I thought it was interesting about Pittsburgh – uh, talking about finding guys that were their kind of guys, um, hard-nosed, gritty guys, guys that cared about football uh, kind of more than anything else. They kind of want to get back to being that that bully on the block that so many of us kind of envisioned the Steelers being. And it's not any different than things that they've done, but they're right now in the middle of a crossroads because obviously they're still continuing to flip their defense. Uh, they believe their offense is going to be lights out, and I agree with them on that part. But they're still trying to figure out what to do at cornerback, what to do with the pass rushers, how to get back to kind of being Blitzburg and, you know, mm. kind of steel curtain and all that other stuff. What else are we hearing? Bucky whispers. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, obviously, uh, when you look at the moves that the Buffalo Bills have made, they made it kind of seem like it's fantasy football that you just hmm. go out and get whoever you want and whatever you want and rebuild that offense. Um Looking at that offense, I believe that offense is primed and ready to go in terms of their skill position guys. They have everything that you want. Running back, LaShawn McCoy, underrated signing in Jerome Felton, allowing them to be a one-back or two-back team. Outside, bringing in Percy Harvin to go with Charles Clay. So now you have two players in the middle of the field that can command attention. Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods are two of the, I think, a very intriguing young one-two punch. And so when you look at the problems they can present to the defense, you really have to figure out how do we want to play the Buffalo Bills. Do you want to do an eight-man front to stop Shady McCoy? 
How do you account for Percy Harvin? How do you deal with Charles Clay? And really, the explosive playmaker in Sammy Watkins. They have all of that. And I know the biggest thing that people throw back because on Twitter they were like, the quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have an elite quarterback. I just point to the success that not what Rex had with Sanchez, but Greg Roman, when they took over the San Francisco 49ers, people doubted whether Alex Smith could be a guy that could lead a team to a high level of performance. They did that. Colin Kaepernick, having watched him at practice, there were serious concerns about could he ever be a starting quarterback. He comes in and takes them right to the Super Bowl. I just believe in their ability to cater the offense to fit the skills of the quarterback where he can just drive the bus and have success as opposed to being the guy that's the focal point of the offense. So what you're saying is basically any old mid-level to low-level starter like Matt Castle can jump right in there and look rather good and win me a sandwich because we're going to have a proposition here. Castle versus Darren McFadden. McFadden, who has a better season? Forget EJ Manuel, he's not going to get the job. Wait, how do we how do we calculate this? Castle versus McFadden. We're going to have a uh, versus McFadden. Who, who, who is hanging on McFadden? Wes. It's Wes. A, if they yo McFadden. If they don't draft <laughs> oh. another running back, I think he'll have success behind that. Uh, we're going to have a offensive a, line. Uh, I know I'm not going for Matt Castle. An esteemed panel of judges: Mark Sessler, Dan Hansis, Oh, that's right. It's and uh, Ali Bunpuri. Kind of judge. Uh, oh, the three of them I think I'm more inclined to go if Matt Castle wins the job. I'm more inclined to go with him just because be. if you look at his track record, when you're surrounded by weapons in New England, he lit it up. When you're surrounded that by playmakers. Lit it up? They won 11 games, right? But if he plays at that level. I, I mean, it's, not, fan, it's not fantasy football. I'm not saying that he's going to throw for 4,000 yards. I'm no. saying that they're going to no. win a ton of games. The key that you have to understand, unless you're one of the four, you talk about one of the four elite quarterbacks in the game. Everyone else has to play complementary football, meaning that all the pieces of the puzzle have to work in unison. The defense, the running game, the quarterback not making mistakes, all of those things have to work for them to win. So unless you're Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning, well, not even Peyton Manning anymore, Tom Brady, you typically can't win without the weapons on the outside to make you look better. I would say that Matt Castle steps into a situation where Literally, all he has to do is be a good decision maker, and that offense will score points on its own. The defense is good enough to be a top two defense with Rex Ryan taking over. If but, he doesn't screw it up, but they're the going Pro to win ten or eleven games. What happens though? Two time Pro. What happens, he'll, Bucky? He'll, he'll see if he Mark, can beat out Tyrod Taylor before we. I was going to say we got Tyrod Taylor in the building there. You got EJ Manuel. Uh, does it have to be? Is Matt Castle the only guy that can make them a playoff no. team, or can one of those other guys potentially step in via injury or performance and do something? No, I think either one of those guys can do it. I think wow. the, the thing that you have to understand with, with Rex, like EJ Manuel, a lot of people kind of lob criticism at it, but I think he's only played 12 games. It's not enough for a young quarterback to make the evaluation on the young quarterback whether he can or can't do it. They're not going to ask the quarterback to win games solely on the strength of their right arm. They're going to ask him, don't turn the ball over. Make the plays that are there to be made. And trust your weapons to make it happen. Right now, I think you could say that they may have as many explosive weapons as any other team in the National Football League, from Shady to Sammy Watkins to Percy Harvin, Charles Clay being a guy that can control the middle. They just have to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers. Well, to Marcel and allow that Darius to work. and Jerry Hughes. Those guys are explosive weapons, too. I mean, everyone thinks the, weapons on offense. They got weapons on both sides. And, and that's why I would never expect Matt Castle to be a guy that rings up a lot of 300 – Matt Castle, EJ Manuel, to, to ring up 300-yard games. I think looking at the blueprint when San Francisco was winning very early in his tenure, 200 yards is kind of the, the barometer. 
if they get to 200 yards, that's a pretty good day for the quarterback playing the way that they're going to play. If you dare them to pass the ball, I think the quarterback will have more opportunities. But the fact that Shady McCoy is in the backfield, it challenges the way that you have to play defense because you can't line up and double cover everybody. You load the box, you have one-on-one, and they have scary playmakers on the outside. They have a lot of options. I just think the quarterback has to be a good decision maker. They remind me of the uh, the great Lovey Smith era Bears teams when they had Brian Urlacher and Lance Briggs and Mike mm. Brown. And then you have Devin Hester, the best special teams weapon in the league, and they wasted a Super Bowl window because they had Craig Krenzel, Chad Hutchinson, <laughs> well, hold on, Kyle Max, Orson, Orson, Rex they Grossman. They went to the Super Bowl with that team, yeah, but right? They, they didn't they win didn't a win Super Bowl. They, they well, lost if we're judging win. everything on Super Bowl wins, that would mean that the 90s Buffalo Bills were irrelevant even though they dominated the league for four years. No, in the does, that doesn't mean that. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you have to be able to – get to the dance to be dance. And I think uh, for them, for, but, for the Bills, they have making the opportunity the playoffs to do it. Is plenty I totally agree with, with everything you said there. I just think that Bears team could have been to four Super Bowls if they had quarterback play. And this Bills team, to me, is not good enough because of the quarterback play. All right, gentlemen. So that is uh, that's good talk there. But let's get into now something. Like I said, a lot of buzz, a lot of heat. Bucky Brooks' smiling mug is next to the byline. Uh, 2014 NFL draft do-over, and uh, I found this very interesting read. Uh, first of all, there are nine teams, according to Bucky, that if they had a chance to do it over, how things uh, shake out in Bucky's mind, that they would make the same pick. I bet you do go year by year. That's probably not always the case. Uh, but right off the top of the list is the one that jumps out at me. You have the Texans. They do not keep Jadavian Clowney in this in this uh, vortex, this time vortex. Uh, they go with Teddy Bridgewater, who, of course, was the number 32 overall pick in uh, May's draft last year. Tell me why, Bucky. Tell us why, in the audience, why Teddy Bridgewater is the number one pick in your mind in a do-over scenario. He should have been the number one pick last year. He was the best ah. quarterback coming out of college. Anyone who watched the tape understood that he was the most pro-ready. He was the most polished of all the prospects at the position. Yet we allowed uh, the, the clouding of a pro-day workout to kind of torpedo his stock. Anyone who watched him play at Minnesota saw him continue to get better and better as the season went on. The Houston Texans went through four quarterbacks. If they just had a steady presence at the position, they probably would have gone to the playoffs. And I think if you're Bill O'Brien and you look back and you understand that you got minimal contributions from Jadavian Clowney, if at all, Teddy Bridgewater comes in and solves the biggest need. They continue to go. They probably went 10, 11 games and go into the playoffs. But they left a pretty good player on the board there. I know Wes is – Fired up about this. What? What pretty good players? Well, I think number two. You there's there's one no brainer Hall of Famer from this class, and it's Odell. <laughs> no <Beckham>. no brainer <laughs> Hall of Famer. If he stays healthy, he's going to. <laughs> no, after one year, we're we're putting Odell Beckham Jr. in yes. the Hall of Fame. Yes, it's not, it, it's not going to do any good. Oh for, my gosh, one it's not going to do any good for us to put him in the Hall of Fame after everyone already knows about it. We're <laughs> analysts. We're supposed to one, tell you what he's saying. If he stays healthy, if he stays it's healthy, happening. Odell Beckham is no brainer Hall well, of you, Fame. Well, you you could put his year, his twelve games there with anyone that we've ever seen come into the league. Don so that, Hudson, Jerry Rice. Outstanding. Outstanding production on a losing team. And he well, saved Tom Coughlin's job, secured Eli Manning. Outstanding production on a losing well, team. Randy understand this. Losing teams but too, under, understand, understand this. Victor Cruz comes back. His production is skewed because Victor Cruz, if you look at what Victor Cruz was doing very early in the year, he was wearing people out running the slant from the slot position. You now have two guys who can make a ton of plays. I expect Odell to continue to be the guy that's the number one receiver, but I think you'll see more diversity from that offense, a little more balance. Those guys will continue to roll. 
I loved Odell Beckham Jr. coming out. I'm not ready to anoint him a Hall of Famer. I think he's special. I felt that the stuff that we talked about with Sammy Watkins and some of the other receivers where we act like there was a huge divide, I didn't believe that. I just believe that we saw Odell Beckham Jr. have an opportunity to show people that he can make plays. One, one point, you say you know Cruz will change the, the situation, but he's not coming back from a hamstring strain. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like a very serious knee injury. Yeah, but, I mean, like ACL injuries. Like, people come back from ACL. It's it no wasn't an ACL, though. Was. It was the uh, patella tender. Yeah. He will be fine coming yeah. back from that. I, I think he will continue to be a guy that is very effective. I think modern medicine does wonders. <laughs> he will come back and be a very, very effective player in the slot once he gets comfortable. But having two of those guys plus Reuben Randall, they didn't have a full complement of receivers. Another year with McAdoo's system, I think they'll continue to make a ton of plays. I think they do build around Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if he'll continue to play at the level that he played at because now everyone has studied what Odell Beckham does. Will he be able to counter what defensive coordinators do to slow him down and minimize his effect? I wanted to talk about this because we're so focused in on this year's draft. Sometimes people, they stop scouting the guys that are actually in the league, and we were so used to talking to this whole crop i thought the the redraft was fascinating first of all this was a great draft we went into it last year saying it was a great draft and it was a great draft i mean if you look at this first round and your do-over it's a lot of big time players and we got to give credit to guys like you you know dj had bridgewater number one at quarterback the whole time a guy josh norris who i like a lot at roto he had him number one overall uh on his list and that that's looking pretty good but there were some curious decisions here i think I'm a little surprised uh, that, for instance, Greg Robinson. hot under the collar over here for me personally. <laughs> Greg, Robin, Greg Robinson goes to the Rams again, this time at 13, but that still seems a little high. Uh, I was interested to see Eric Ebron still going fairly early in this draft after a really a lost rookie season. Yeah, but part of that lost rookie season may have been the complexity of the system that he was thrust into slowed down his You're ability not giving to up make plays. It. No, I think when Joe Lombardi comes in and tried to put a lot of the New Orleans Saints stuff in with Detroit Lions, I think that offense underachieved based on the personnel that they had, from Reggie Bush to Matthew Stafford to Calvin Johnson and the other players that they had. They didn't light it up like a team with that kind of personnel and talent should. I believe now, year two, most rookies or most players make the biggest jump from year one to year two. I think Ebron would be more comfortable. I think you finally see him allow – uh, his talents to kind of show through as opposed to thinking and kind of playing a step slower than he normally would play. Do the Jags really take Bortles again at three? I mean, I, I think, think they're a little worried. I mean, I think they're sold on him. I wasn't necessarily sold on him being a franchise quarterback early in his career. I felt like he was more of a developmental prospect. However, they threw him on the field. They felt good about his progress. I believe he will always be a guy that's kind of a high turnover magnet just because of the way he plays the game. But if surrounded by playmakers. And I think they do have a young, developing cast of pass catchers that are going to be good. Allen Robinson, Marquise Lee, Allen Hearns. I think those guys eventually will be good enough for him to be a very productive player. They still need to find an answer in the running game. But if they can run it and alleviate the pressure on him to carry that offense, I think he'll be fine in Jacksonville. It's uh, Sometimes these draft redos make my head hurt. So you got the Bengals at 24 – their do-over pick is Jeremy Hill, who they took in the second round in real life. Their actual pick, Darquise Denard, 
Does that mean he just there's like a rip in the time space continuum? He's just there's spinning clocks and e equals <laughs> MC squared around him, and he's just floating away forever. How does this work exactly, Bucky? Help me. Uh, well, with Jeremy Hill, I think anyone who watched Jeremy Hill make an impact on that offense would probably view him as a first round talent. I believe he was the best running back in the draft. I believe he went to a situation that was perfect for him because Hugh Jackson understood what he could be. He also had inside intel, having worked for Cam Cameron. He knew that Jeremy Hill understood how to play the game in a pro-style system. That success was real. I think they were replicated. Maybe they would take him higher. Dark Don't Wes evade Denard. the question. Time-space continuum. Darquez <laughs> Denard oh, okay. is a guy that will be he a good player. He didn't even play. He didn't play, but like, understand, and talking to people there, sometimes coaches are tied to veterans because they're scared of the mistake factor. I'll rather depend on a veteran because I know he knows the system rather than put the young guy out there to allow him to gain the experience to eventually maybe be a better player. And so I felt like in Cincinnati, they leaned on the vets, Pac-Man, Terrence Newman, rather than throwing the young guys out there, Drake Kirkpatrick, Terrence Newman, when Ter- Drake Kirkpatrick and Dark West, because they put the young guys out there, let them go through their mistakes, they can have success. Leon Hall was another guy. Leon Hall can't play at a high level anymore. They need to play the young guy so they can have the experience. Marvin Lewis called Dark West the best young quarter- cornerback he's ever been around. And, and then he never played him. And that's he's been around some great cornerbacks from the Raven, old Ravens days. And I think he's solid. Yeah, they just couldn't get... For whatever reason, they wouldn't put the young guys on the field. Drake Kirkpatrick finally got on the field later in the year, played pretty well. They end up benching Terrence Newman in critical moments down the stretch so they could play the young guys. If they played the young guys early, I think we would have saw more contributions and better play from that defense. I like that the Browns, they still have the 22 pick here, you know, because that's you know what they took. In the end, they traded up for Johnny Manziel. But if they had just done... What, for once, all the fans really wanted them to do, and what everyone was complaining after the draft, how could you not take a wide receiver early? Really, they would have been so much better off if they took a wide receiver early and did the, did the conventional thing, because you could not have missed in the first round with at wide receiver, and they could have taken Kelvin Benjamin. That was who you gave to him. Get him uh, in there. You know Get what? Johnny Manziel I'm, out. I'm like, not giving a hard time to the Browns. Though. Like, after the first day of the draft, everybody said they were the big winner. Yep. They filled a major need, a cornerback, they thought, and then they went all in trying to change the identity of a losing franchise. The only thing that Justin I would Gilbert say, did not show up in your first round. Man. Yeah, the only thing that I would say about the Browns and their philosophy when it comes to, the court, to wide receivers, what first-round receivers played in the Super Bowl? So in their mind, when they're building the team, they were trying to build a team that wasn't necessarily quarterback-centric. They wanted to have a bunch of solid players in key areas so they could do it. So because of that, they thought How that they Larry could get away with How about Larry Fitzgerald and San Antonio Holmes, you know, going back and forth in the Super Bowl? I just watched were, that but, one. But, but this one, Plaxico uh, Burris, Seattle you know. and New England. Yeah. Who was the number one receiver there? Who was the Pro Bowl receiver that you worry about? Yeah, Rob Gronkowski is the guy, but on the outside – they're playing with undrafted and later round picks. No one that really sizzles anyone in terms of a draft pick. And talking to Ray Farmer Percy in Harvin. the past, he talked about that. Percy Harvin wasn't. Well, in the I'm Super just saying Bowl. he was on that last team year. and they gave up last a lot year. of picks. I'm no, no, just no, no, saying no, no, they no, gave up a lot year. of picks. Though. Last I mean, year with Chop Chop and Doug Baldwin and Chris uh, Chop Chop. Chris. Richard, the guy who came from Foot Locker, like <laughs> oh. Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola, none of those guys were prized possessions as draft picks, yet they went to the Super Bowl. So in thinking about building your team, you're saying that there are multiple ways to build it. They believe that you could do it without expending big money or big draft cash on a wide receiver. We'll see if it co- comes to fruit. I highly 
recommend you check out Bucky's work on NFL.com, including this yeah. draft do-over. And Bucky is one of those guys that you should be plugged in on right now because uh, the guy does his work, and he has a lot of interesting takes, and he's a big fan of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, unless you're Zach Martin, then don't read this because the poor guy gets to be an all-pro <laughs> as a rookie. Can't even move up over 16 in the draft. No love he's for just, He's just such a perfect. That's... He's such a perfect fit, and I do wonder – if sometimes, because you play beside such talented players, if some of your deficiencies are masked, yeah. we'll see if Zach Martin okay. continues to be okay. that guy. All right. Thank you very much for stopping by, Bucky. And, you know, we heard you were on the Damashek show again. This That's is, right. Wow. It's a power Dave play Dam- by Damashek. Dave Damashek. I, I mean, I'm a podcast free agent, so I'm kind of out there flowed. I'm kind of taking well, visits. You know, after, I'm trying to determine, trying to see what's going after on. After a while, though, you know, these free agents, they might start annoying the teams. If they, are, <laughs> you know, they keep, you got to make a decision, you know. Calling him Michael think, Crabtree? Well, I'm just saying, well, <laughs> you you have a I would like to see myself as more of a Darrell Revis. I want to play All the right, game. Fair right, so each year you go and make sure. Well, you, when you go you on. When you go on Dave's show, it's like Reeves signing with the Jets instead of the Pats. <laughs> you know, let's let's make the right call oh, here. Wow. Let's make the accurate right comparison call. Like All right, it. that's it, Bucky. Thank you for stopping by. I'm sure, we'll definitely have you on again. Thanks for having me. Lock Thanks, you up Bucky. with the right deal. Appreciate it. <laughs> we will be back on Thursday with or Friday. We'll be back on Friday, and of course, Win West's toaster will be back. Uh, with with a big, big, big stakes. Wes trying to get his crown back. Well, he's got his crown, but he wants to make sure everybody understands who Chris Wessling is, which is pure champion at the top of his game. Well, he wants to end his losing streak. I've lost one time. He's got his crown. Ever. But he, he's, well, when they show the standings in the paper and it says streak, and you've lost one game in a row. What does it say? It says L1. You're on a I losing think, streak. I, I think that's a bastardization of the word streak, which <laughs> always which always involved more than one game in history until newspapers got I don't know why this, this whole storyline always, to me, goes back to Rocky Five, and uh, everybody called the, uh, Tommy Gunn, he's a paper champion. They're calling you a paper champion right now. <laughs> well, it doesn't really – I don't think Mike Tyson is really worried about trash talk from Buster Douglas 20 years later. <laughs> Very good. So that is tomorrow. That is the big, big event. And, of course, like we said, it will be on NFL Now or we'll have video of it at the very least for you guys to watch later, maybe next week. So uh, thank you for listening. As always, uh, we'll have Mark Sessler back on Thursday to join us. But for now, I'm signing off for the mailman and the boss and the great gold standard behind the glass. Until next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.